Welcome to the Waterways World podcast, brought to you in association with ABC Leisure Group, operators of hire fleets and marinas around the UK. Hello and welcome to the Waterways World podcast. I'm Bobby Cowing, the editor of the magazine. In this episode, we talk to Joe and Michael Morehouse, who have to be among the most well-travelled boaters on the network. The couple have been continuous cruisers for four years and are now close to having boated every waterway on the connected system. They were also the first to complete the Inland Waterway Association's Silver Propeller Challenge by visiting locations on underused waterways. And they've also documented their travels on YouTube under the vlogging alias Minimal List, that's two words, where they are watched by a large international audience. So, we had plenty to discuss. Let's take a listen. So where are you at the moment? Because I think the last vlog I saw you were near Lincoln. The videos are a little bit behind us and Joe edits them when and, you know, if she can. Um, so we're a few episodes behind and we are actually in Boston now. Oh, Boston. Yes, we're preparing wow. to cross the wash in uh, a little over a week. Nice. Have you done all the prep for the crossing? Yeah, we came down. Um, we sort of, <laughs> we worked through our technical issues by blowing our alternator belt before we got to Lincoln. And then we went on to the mod. <laughs> Went on to Mod Foster drains, and as soon as we got through Anthem Gout, we blew our um, throttle cable. It just snapped. So wow. we we ended up limping into, um, well, back back into Boston, down below the Mod Foster uh, windmill there, and mooring up in kind of crazy conditions. And then we actually got the RCR out for the first time in our time on the canals. We actually have RCR cover now because of our insurance coverage. Um, so rather than try and source that part for ourselves in very short notice, we, uh, we did a call out and got them to replace it. Um, which, uh, was a new experience. Yeah. It worked out really well. Yeah. Um, so then we got ourselves back into Boston and we've done all of the, um, you know, engine checks and sort of prep and everything for going across. And now we're just waiting on the opportunity to go. But this won't be your first time on tidal waters. No, not at all. No, no. We've been on the tidal Thames. We've been on, we've crossed the Mersey. And then the tidal Trent. The tidal Trent. Um, and the ooze. And the ooze out of Goole up towards um, York. So so of the of the bunch, the kind of quote unquote hairiest would have been Thames out of Limehouse and um, crossing the Mersey. Nice. Would you ever be tempted to do the seven estuary? I certainly was. Um, I we, wasn't... Were, we were in Bristol maybe a few months after we bought the boat and Michael wanted to do it then, but I said no and he's never forgiven me. For... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of the ones that I was just kind of like, all right, that one and crossing to Belgium are just sort of, you know, things I'm going to have to write off is not actually going to happen yet. Um, yet. Yeah, I... I I keep hoping to catch, um, in fact, just before COVID happened, um, there was a viewer who was offering to let me come and 
and uh, ride along with as they were going up the Severn. And, um, and that would have been my way of doing it and leaving Joe and George on the boat. But um, unfortunately, like COVID hit. <laughs> so, that, <laughs> so that option went out. Yeah. That must be one of the few parts of the network you haven't done. I mean, am I right in thinking you pretty much covered it, most of it now? Nearly, yeah. We're just, once we've crossed the crossed the wash, we've got the um, the great ooze to do and the mid-levels um, and then mm. a few little waterways down there, um, the Wissy mm. and the little ooze and the Cam. And the Neen, uh, Nene, mm. depending on where you are. <laughs> um, yes, indeed. Yeah. Then we'll come back down to towards Northampton, and then that'll pretty much be be the end. Yeah, we? that will be the whole system, barring the very small number where we've been cut off by um, either a lock stoppage or um, some other. Like there was a rock fall that made a portion unnavigable. Yeah, in Basing, uh, not Basingstoke, um, well, Audium at the end of the Basingstoke. Yeah, and um, and for instance, it, we're going to be. We didn't make it all the way through the navigable drains due to water levels. Um, we're a bit too tall for portions of the drains just because of some of the bridges and things. Yeah. And and water levels are unusually high right now. They're, they're a couple of decimeters above sort of the zero point, which meant that they're just bridges that are normally passable. We're suddenly not. <laughs> so... Um, so unfortunately, we're going to miss a, a portion of that until we can come back with a canoe or something. And uh, there's been a few other minor ones. Um, we've done some awfully strange ones. We've done ones where they're on the silver propeller. We've done them, but they're effectively actually unnavigable right now. Um, right. And, and have been for years. Like the D branch in Chester is not navigable by a, a narrow <laughs> boat. Um, no. we, we still, I ended up going down a lock to run into some mud and then back up and go up the lock backwards. Um, because, right. because that 30 feet is the navigable remains of the river D. Um, yeah. and, and so there's been a few like that. We're unfortunately going to be missing the, um, Welland. Welland. Yeah. The Welland and the Glen, the Glen, the Glen is problematic just because you really can't take a, a 60 foot narrow boat up the Glen very much at all. Um, there's no turning points or anything. And, um, at least not until you're past the part that's actually navigable at the moment. And the Welland, unfortunately, there is a lock that is out of commission at the moment. And the EA has been trying to get it up and running before our, uh, crossing the wash opportunity, but mm. it just doesn't, that's going to be happening. So we'll be unfortunately going across to the great ooze and, and having to leave the Welland until, uh, later when we probably I'm I'm thinking at some point we have to do like a tour around the country with just a canoe. To, yeah, just to pick up the fill in the gaps, yes. Yeah. yeah. What were your impressions of the Fenland waterways? Everyone said, Oh, that everything's flat and there's not much to see and they're not that interesting. But I I just think the the fact that not many people do them makes them more interesting. So we went we went down the Sleaford and uh, got stuck under a, well, we didn't get stuck, but we got stopped by a very low bridge. Um, Michael, you know, got half the boat under there before he admitted Well, I got defeat. about four feet of the boat under there before. Ad admitted defeat and was, backed out. This is not going to happen. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
But um, and yeah, going on to the drains and down to Maud Foster, it's just it's been wonderful. And everyone said, oh, you know, it's flat. And yes, it, it, it is, is flat. flat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would say that the Maud Foster. Um, so we we kind of when we when we got onto the navigable drains themselves, um, like I say, our throttle cable snapped, um, which hasn't made it into one of our videos yet, but will soon. And um, and so our one opportunity really on the day we were coming back was for me to run the boat up the uh, Stonebridge drain. Yeah. And uh, we, I actually went up as far as you can take a 57-foot boat up to North uh, Northlands, I think it was called. Um, and and that, well, that was interesting because Joe didn't actually join me because there was nowhere for her to get onto the boat. So George and Joe uh, sat at the at the um, golf. Well, it was right at the driving. Yeah, Cowbridge. Yeah, Cowbridge Lock. So so Joe and George sat and and kind of relaxed at the golf range there, and um, and I continued up north. Um, going under a ridiculously short bridge that actually knocked down both of our GoPro cameras, um, which is really what made me realize that we were not like the water levels were too high to be safe for the return trip. Um, but yeah, uh, the interesting thing for me was the first time I've actually seen a badger alive, (laughs) um, has been on the, the, uh, navigable drains, like in the fens. You, 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 there's so much more wildlife here. Yeah. We've seen deer as well, which we've never seen before on the side. Wow. Yeah. We've seen deer. We've seen, um, so where was the badger? The badger, I think I, I think it was sunbathing. Um, I was, I was coming down and and i was distracted by the fact that there were these there were these swans which were just stupid they just they just couldn't understand the concept of letting me pass so they they kept moving forward stopping moving forward stopping and they were getting really quite annoyed at me and um and i saw this movement on the side and there's a a, a stretch where there was some thorn bushes and everything leaned over and i think there's just a burrow there and i saw a, a badger just you know, just suddenly scuttle away and down a hole. And I was just like, good God, I never thought I'd, I've, I've seen plenty of them in the canal, but unfortunately all dead. So, yes. um, so it was really quite something to see one live, even if it was only for a second as it retreated. I think yeah. coming to places like this as well, it's like on social media, we see so many people talking about how busy the canals are and how they've been waiting at locks. And when you're on when you're on something like the drains, you come up to a, a narrow bridge, and you just know you're not going to meet someone coming the other way because you haven't seen anyone for three days. So yeah. it's, it's kind of got like a you know a real charm to the fact that you're the only one there, and you don't know when the last one person came through the lock because you know the, the lock can barely. Move. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I can completely understand that, but you're cruising it in spring, and I imagine it's fairly pleasant. But I do wonder what it would be like in winter if it would be a bit bleak, perhaps. Maybe, but then we did like we did the BCN in one winter, and Ooh, yeah, okay. and we enjoyed that because again, I mean, don't get me wrong, we do love other boaters and we love meeting people in locks and talking to other boaters. But there is something real, really special about being the only boat in winter cruising, even you know when the days are short and and you know the weather's not so great. There is just something nice being the only boats about. Yeah, I mean, almost like a sense of adventure. Yeah, yeah, like like I would say because we actually did the BCN twice in winter, <laughs> and uh, and and um, 
and you know we never actually arrived there at any other time, so I can't really say it's. I mean, it's our favorite time to go through the BCN, but I'm not <laughs> sure that I've seen seen it any other way. But um, yeah, I mean, it is. There's something actually kind of compelling about the bleak because traveling through, for instance, the BCN, you know, there's all the graffiti about, and it's relatively rough. But the lack of traffic and the lack of people about it, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of like going through historical footage, you know, it's, it's mm. a strange feeling. And, and I actually really like cruise, winter, winter cruising. Yeah, me too. And the people you do meet are always so curious and so like wanting to talk to you. I mean, they are in summer as well, but. In it's... winter, they're like, what sort of a madman are you? You know, like, like yeah. <laughs> We we I've I've had some of the best conversations have been ones where it's it's been somebody who's happened along at a time of year when no no boats are about and they're just like you know yeah what are you doing here why why yes. you know, and, yeah um, I mean I would say that the fens definitely like the river the river with them uh, below Lincoln mm. uh, all the way to. Uh, well, really all the way to Boston. There's like several really long, very straight spots where there is a high embankment on both sides. Mm. And, and I would imagine finding that a little dull um, in, in winter when there's when there isn't any wildlife about. The wildlife was the, the drive, I think, to, for me. It's sort of the primary feature of that waterway. Yeah, and especially in springtime when you see baby chicks about, uh, you know, of, of all sorts of things and cormorants are out fishing and uh, you know there's just quite a bit to see so one of the things i wanted to talk to you about was your journey to boat ownership which is about as unconventional as you can get it begins with you meeting in vietnam is that right yeah yeah michael was kind of going around the world one way he left la and was on his trip and i was going around the world the other way i'd left uh, sussex and was on my trip and we met in the middle and um went to see some elephants and spent a few days together and then he finished his trip and I finished my trip and we met up five months later in LA where Michael had returned to and um did a road trip across the states and got onto an airplane after selling my car outside of New York and we were gonna we were gonna move to England then but then Michael got a job in New Zealand so I think we were just mode of of travel that we were like yeah, we'll move on. Yeah, why not? We'll right? just move so, to the other side of the world. So we actually each got onto an airplane and went, again, the opposite direction. I went through Los Angeles back to um, Auckland and then down to Wellington, and Joe flew across China. So so we, we, we had gone opposite ways around the planet to meet each other, to go opposite ways around the planet to meet each other, to go opposite ways around the planet to meet each other. Um, and, and at that point, spent a year and a half in New Zealand where I was working for uh, Weta Digital over there. And, and we did a road trip around the South Island on a motorcycle um, and with a camping outfit and got bitten by some of the most god-awful um, bugs I've ever encountered <laughs> on the entire planet. And, uh, and then we, you know, and then as we left uh, that job and, and returned to LA, we went through, um, what do we bounce through Kuala Lumpur and Borneo? And... Yeah, we, we ended up on the equator in Borneo and uh, met some orangutans. And then and then Joe went back to England and I went through China to get to L.A. So we did the opposite right way around the world again 
for her to come meet me in LA. Then we were in LA for a year. Um, and then it was then while we were in Los Angeles that, um, we were, well, we were both basically realizing that after all of our journeys, neither of us could stay still. Um, and Los Angeles, although it's a, it's a great city in its own right, was not really fit for either of us at that point. And, um, yeah, we started talking about, well, what we were going to do. And we were looking at the possibility of getting an RV and moving, mm. like driving across Canada or driving across the States again. Or doing some sort of small home or something like yeah, that. Yeah, tiny home. And my, I wasn't working at the time because I didn't have a, a work visa at the point. So, you know, I'd be stuck at home all day. And one day, Michael you know, left and kind of put this throwaway comment of, um, well, we could always get a moved to England and I don't even know if you knew they were called narrow boats but you said well I think I'd figured I think I should canal boat because I'd seen I'd seen one of these boats several years before on a on a very brief like one weekend visit to London I had gone to um Camden Locks and I'd seen a guy moving a boat through a lock and you know I'm just standing on a bridge there it's it's the bleak midwinter sort of thing and and I'm like yeah I have no idea what this guy's doing, but it looks interesting, you know? And, um, and so it's multiple years later that Joe and I are sitting there and I'm like, you know, just about to leave for work. And I'm like, well, we could move to England and get on a narrow boat. And I came home from work, you know, 10 hours later. And Joe's just like, don't take me too seriously on this, but here's an epic playlist of, of things on YouTube. <laughs> right. <laughs> Narrow boat related. Yeah. So. Yeah. So Joe, the, the idea obviously appealed to you then. Well, I'd done, um, I'd been on a narrowboat holiday maybe 10 years ago with, um, some family. And, um, so I knew, you know, I knew what narrowboats were and I knew what the, you know, the lifestyle kind of could look like. Um, but it's very different having a holiday to, to living aboard. And it's funny because when I told my parents that this is what we were planning to do, they were like, but you hated it. Um, but that was <laughs> that was mainly because there were six of us squeezed onto this this tiny boat um, yeah. for a week, which is very different to kind of, you know, living aboard. Two with, of us and a dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Although I am roughly the equivalent of your family in terms of noise and space taken up. But I came home to find this this uh, playlist and we watched um, Cruising the Cut and... Um, we watched Robbie. Robbie and Tim and Prunella. Yeah. And, um, and Dan. Yeah. And these were sort of the early YouTube vloggers. Yeah, yeah, Dan yeah. Brown, yeah. <laughs> and we saw their videos and I think it was one of Dan Brown ones on the... On the Klingofen, where it was just sitting there in winter, and I was like, "Yeah, I could really do this." Yeah, you know, like this. This looks really interesting to me. So, um, and then some sort of strange events happened that just made it more logical. Uh, uh, the Brexit vote occurred, and effectively, um, the price of an arrow boat went down by thirty percent if you were buying from America, right? Like, like. Right within 48 hours um so so all of a sudden for the first time in in my lifetime it, it was suddenly relatively inexpensive to think about you know uh, uh, moving some cash over and 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 thinking about getting a boat and so we started the process of looking at what the visas would be and and uh, for me 
and all of the issues involved. Um, but we, at this stage, you kind of kept waiting for us to change our mind and come up with a different plan. Right. But the, it, it took about, I think it was about five months before we actually moved because Michael had a year-long contract. Um, but yeah, the, the months were passing and we didn't change our mind. And then January 2017, we found ourselves <laughs> here. Yeah, looking I mean, for boats. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a strange, strange trip because we did a we did another road trip escape. Like we we I, we bought a car um, for a thousand dollars or whatever it was and drove um, west as far as Wyoming to meet some of my family. Uh, on my dad's side, and then all the way up to Vancouver, where uh, before crossing the border, I donated the car, and um, then we got on an airplane over to England. So it was, it was, a, it was a it was another kind of strange way of doing things. Um, and uh, yeah, and then we arrived here, and we started looking for a boat pretty much immediately. Mm -hmm. um, didn't find one no. for. Because uh, we arrived in January, which is not the correct time to look for a boat. <laughs> um, and there was quite a bit of confusion about how to get me a bank account and all this stuff. And, and you know, um, and then uh, uh, oddly enough, um, we we realized that we weren't going to be able to find an aeroboat in the sort of short run that we had. So we, we went to India <laughs> <laughs> um, for a, a visit to a friend of mine in Nepal and then returned from that. And almost immediately found this boat. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. And this is um, Perseverance, a 57-foot narrowboat. Yeah, it's a 2004 Liverpool Boats. Um, it is it was a kind of the Ford Fiesta of narrowboats. It was like At a, the time, yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a mass-manufactured um, uh, boat. It's a, it's a semi-trad, um, which is a bit of a strange little compromise, but we've gotten used to it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and yeah, we had to, um, we bought it at Pierford Marina down on the river way. We had to do quite a bit of work to it, but you know. What was it about that boat that appealed to you? I think it just, it felt right. And it's funny because when you're looking for a boat, you have all these ideas of what you think you want. And then you spend a month looking <laughs> at like 30 odd boats and don't find what you want. And then I don't know, we just, we stepped aboard this one and it. It ticked none of the boxes. Like really, of the things we knew we wanted. One one thing issue we had was um, Michael was quite tall, um, and we'd look at these adverts, and the boats would look perfect, and they'd say there was six foot two headroom, which would just be okay. And then Michael would get on board, and he wouldn't be able to stand up straight. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> so we were driving all around the country to look at these boats that were just not yeah any good. Like, well, this is six foot two from the perspective of someone who's five foot six, but. Uh, <laughs> So I think maybe yeah. that was one of the things that we, because of, I think newer boats have a lot more headroom, but, you know, 20, nearly 20 years ago, I think they potentially didn't. And that because that was the price range you were looking in, we kept kind of having this problem. So yeah. the, the fact that Michael could stand up in this one was one of the yeah. big ticks. Well, and it was funny because we had, like the standing up became the important thing, but it was funny because we, we, we wanted it to be, bright on the inside and like lighter walls. And we got this thing that's, that's dark wood paneling. Um, we, we wanted to have, um, a reverse layout. We were quite big on the reverse layout Didn't and then we totally got, went with the classic layout. Um, we had a few other things that I can't remember what they all were, but they were, they were sort of the, we'd built the boat on paper. I think unless, until you live aboard, you don't really 
know what you mm. want. And so I always get nervous when people kind of buy, you know, buy their first boat without living aboard beforehand. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely something where we, we over the course of sort of the first three months of hell <laughs> and, and sort of by the first winter, once you can actually, you're, you're there and the boat gets frozen in and you make it through winter with the, like, uh, with the, the grace of God and the thankful, helpful <laughs> bunch of people on, on, uh, Twitter and YouTube and stuff, we were able to figure out how to get that stove to light and keep us warm. Um, and, and once you kind of get all that out, it was really interesting to see how many things that we had originally planned on being like, we had to have this and we had to have that. Didn't matter. They didn't matter at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, so, so it, it's, it's strange because she is the first boat that felt right. And she felt right to kind of both of us. And um, it wasn't a bad choice. Um, I just think there's, until you live aboard, there's just certain things you're not going to know, really. Yeah, yeah. There are changes we'd make if we suddenly became rich. <laughs> <laughs> what would those changes be? Ooh, well, uh, okay, for one, I would replace the, I mean, this is going to sound stupidly pedantic, but I would replace the cable drive with an with hydraulic drive okay. <laughs> because there is nothing that has caused me more pain on this boat than those stupid c33 ultraflex cables snapping um those, <laughs> I, those are those are my absolute nemesis um i <laughs> but then you like insist on doing the work yourself if we That's got true. other people to do the work then it yeah it, then wouldn't, it wouldn't be so bad but... i think things like um i, I love our duck hatch just being able to open up the sides and I'd, I'd love one on both both sides of the boat we've only got one on one side of the boat right. I think we'd have a, a decent stove instead of a coal stove I thought the coal stove would be romantic it's just dirty yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I would prefer diesel stove um if money were no option I would definitely have a uh one of the flame toilets the incinerating toilets yeah. that's, <laughs> that's yes. uh yes that's one uh but but I mean the main things are more minor um you know like i i really wish we had uh room to have a washing machine that would be a big one um our boat is just does is, is it's just the layout it doesn't work it just yeah it, it really can't work <laughs> and um and uh and it's and it's the one thing where i keep going wow that would be that would really be beneficial yeah. um and i would like another kind of 10 foot without that 10 foot limiting us from locks yeah turning and going in yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 it would always be nice to have a boat where you could push a button and it would extend <laughs> years ago when you acquired the boat is that right that's right yeah mm -hmm. and you originally set out to be continuous cruisers yeah well that was part of the plan pretty much from the beginning i i definitely um during my time traveling kind of came to my practical limits on my ability to stay in one place um because well when when i met joe in vietnam i'd spent the last three months on a on a small um, scooter 
getting from the bottom of Vietnam to the north end of Vietnam. <laughs> and um, and I'd, I'd just been like, oh, wow, I'm really nomadic. Um, so I had this idea that, um, that we just wake up in the morning and be like, should we move today or should we not? And just kind of go with the flow. And it's not quite as simple as that. We do plan it a bit more. Um, but it is just so nice being able to to move on whenever you want and, and see somewhere new. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that's been interesting for us is we do have, you know, people talk about like, well, doesn't, isn't the 14 day limit a problem? And I'm like, no, <laughs> five, five days in any one place is enough for us for most places. It's, you know, it's, it's a beautiful way to see the country and, and a really interesting way, especially to see the cities. Um, I, I, uh, I kind of wonder whether or not if we if we'd moved here and gotten a job and lived on land I'd, and and had the trains and cars, I don't think we'd have been to any number anywhere near the number Goodness of cities. No, no. Um, and yet, going in by boat and finding yourself in smack dab the middle of Coventry, you know, a five minute walk away from the cathedral, and and just in this strange little space, it's so interesting to see the cities of England from this very weird little industrial remnant, yeah. you know? So yeah, I've loved that. You were the first boaters to win the Inland Waterways Association's Silver Propeller Award. Um, but as I understand it, you'd already visited quite a few of the locations before you became aware of the scheme. Yeah, so it was, um, I mean, it was both of us, but it was Michael in particular that was like, well, if we're going to do this, we're going to go everywhere. And for me, that just meant going on every canal. But for Michael, it means going to the very end of every arm and branch that possibly exists, which meant that, yeah, we'd been to quite a few of the Silver Repeller locations. And it was actually the viewers on our YouTube channel that kept like mentioning, well, that, oh, you can tick off a Silver Repeller location. And, and we were like, well, so, you know, we kept hearing this and eventually kind of six months down the line looked it up and and realized yeah I think by then we'd been to like 10 or 11 of them yeah and and it, it was my kind of um weird little thing for getting to the end of the road that led us to a few of them and then we'd also found out that we'd skipped a couple um because they just seemed so impractical um and we didn't know about them right like we, we didn't know they were on the list so we'd just gone through the bcn when we really really understood that there was this list and and we went and looked at them all and it was like damn it we just missed three <laughs> it <was like laughs> and it was a case of not you know not going up three locks to the to the dudley tunnel and not going kind of 200 yards down just to turn around yeah, yeah it was like, yeah, you know because yeah. it, would be, it would be at the end of a like seven hour day and i'd just be like i don't want to put her through that and i don't want to you know okay fine we'll skip it and then we find out it's on the silver propeller and and then we're sitting up in york trying to figure out how are we going to get down to birmingham this year you know while covid's happening and somehow swing through and get to those three um yeah it was it was bizarre and yet somehow you know, things opened up enough to allow us to move through those places. So we actually did make it. Um, but yeah, I think there's, there's 43 locations in total. And I well, think the IWA has recently added five new locations. Yeah. Um, and I know from your vlogs that you've been to three of them already. But what worries me is that two of them are on the Scottish Lowland Canals. Uh, any plans to go to Scotland? Well, there's a, there's a, a hope. There's kind of a long-term 
So we're 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 going across the wash now, and we're going to do uh, we're going to do uh, Cambridgeshire, and that will pretty much take us to the end of the system, the the connected system. Um, and we've been trying to figure out what to do next, and and you know what what our kind of continuing adventure is going to be. Um, and over the course of COVID, basically um, multiple lockdowns and everything, I've decided that I want to pursue a master's degree and a doctorate. Okay. Um, and, uh, in what field? And, uh, computer science. And, and if I continue down that path, because it is a, it is another weird path because my, my undergraduate degree is not in computer science. So, um, so there's, there's still, there's still figuring out whether or not I even can go to the end of that road. But, um, but yeah, if that happens, the hope is that that's at Edinburgh and we will have a justification for putting Percy onto a truck and getting up to Scotland right. and doing those. Um, so that's, that's a hope. It is definitely a possibility, um, but it depends on a whole bunch of things lining up. So Yeah, and it's still uh, nearly two years away, so or 18 months away, yeah. so... Anything could happen. And literally Sounds anything like could happen. Is. Yeah. So, yes. yeah. So if if that doesn't happen, then the other option is um, to to find a, a rental boat on a bunch of these places that we haven't been to. Because, like, I really want to do the Monmouth and Breckenshire uh, in South Wales. Um, there's a I bunch of others. Yeah. Well, because they're completely disconnected, they're they're really only accessible via a, a you know, a, a local boat or a, a trailer. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to see them. Uh, I'd like to see the Exeter ship canal. I'm not sure if anybody will let me on it, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it would, it would be very nice to, to sort of cross off those items as well and then proceed to Scotland yeah. you know, and possibly Ireland. And then if somebody wants to, hand me a winning lottery ticket than like Europe. Yeah. Know. France. Yeah. Germany. Holland. Uh, you can get, to, you can get to Moscow. So <laughs> would you do that? Would you, would that be on the list? I mean, if somebody would pay for it, certainly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll, 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 yeah, I'll, I mean, if, I'll, I'd commission the feature on the basis of that, but it, it unfortunately would be, you'd have to get there first before, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, any, well, that's any, the any issue. Money would cross hand, you see. Well, it's, it's kind of the long way round sort of thing on a narrow boat. I, I, I wouldn't mind trying to get the Kamchatka, but I don't think that's sensible. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I like, it's one of those things where, where if, uh, if funds weren't limiting, then yeah, I think we'd, we'd both be interested in doing Europe by boat mm. now, um, certainly. And, uh, and once I actually did find a route all the way to Moscow and I was like, wow, that looks, that looks like a fascinating thing to try. We might need a different boat for that. <laughs> might need a different boat, might need to learn a couple of languages, might need to change nationality. <laughs> There's a few problems. Yes. Um, at the time you acquired your boat, yeah. you began documenting your experiences on YouTube. But as I understand it, you didn't actually have any real intention of becoming vloggers. It kind of happened by accident. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I kind of can't stop now. Like, just like um, we've got this compulsion to go everywhere. I find it really hard to think about 
doing a journey without documenting it now. Um, so we we literally film every single every single journey, but we do it in a way that's kind of not as kind of inintrusive as possible on our day. Yeah. So that we just have the time lapse cameras running and we just film odd clips. We don't we don't cruise to film. We just film incidentally what's what's happening. Yeah. Which is why I always forget to film when things go wrong. Yeah. And and yeah, it's kind of strange. Like it started as well, when we were in LA and we were thinking about moving over here, Joe wanted to learn to to do some video editing and he wanted to learn Photoshop and a few other things, right? And so we we bought the Mac uh, and got the editing software and we bought a couple of, um, um, pieces to allow that. And, um, and the general idea though, was not to do YouTube at all. It was, it was, um, a thought of, of, well, for me, uh, Joe wanted to edit. Um, I wanted to keep my mom up to date without having to actually constantly be on the phone or sending emails or writing long, uh, uh kind of post to, to try and keep her from phoning the military and getting them sent out to find out where I am. So, um, you know, we, we, we wanted to keep my mom up to date and we thought my mom would watch it. We thought your parents would watch it. Um, pretty sure my brother would ignore it, but, but maybe would watch it every so often. You know, there was, there was this kind of, you know, Hey, it's, it's for family. And so we started and we were just kind of, um, you know, for lack of a better word, just kind of making it up as we went. And then all of a sudden it turned out that people were watching and, um, and it, yeah, it kind of, it, it gave us so much because we've met so many people through it. Like there's obviously loads of people that, that vlog now and we've been lucky enough to meet quite a few of the narrowboat vloggers mm-hmm. and they're all great. And there's this really lovely supportive community within them, mm. but also we've met many lovely people that watch mm. the videos that have been like, Oh, when you get here, we'll take you there. And you know, then I think we were snowed in on, in like our first winter. And then all of a sudden the three bags of shopping arrive on the, arrived on the bow for us. And it's just like the community around the channel is just kind of, blown me away really. oh yeah well i mean we've had we've had people show up and help when we've had breakdowns we've had um we've we've had like balls show up for george yeah. from, from all over the place um <laughs> yeah and and uh you know we we did the crick boat show we went to the crick boat show and we were just going well this was our second crick we'd been to the first our first crick boat show and we just walked around and a couple of people sort of recognized the videos and stuff um, that was before we got George, wasn't it? Yeah. And then we went to the second one. I think George is to blame for most of this. We we went to our second crick and it was weird because it was like we didn't make it more than 30 feet because there were people coming up and we got given a camel from Abu Dhabi. <laughs> what? Um, not a live camel, okay. a, a stuffed camel. <laughs> we got given a stuffed camel and there were people coming in. They were from Canada and Americans and and just people and, from all over the place. And everyone just wanted to pet George, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was all these people wanting to, to, to just ask us about things. And and um, there were people who were thinking about moving on to narrowboats. And, and, and since then, we've had, um, I mean, lots of contacts via social media and, and everything. People asking... Um, you know, there's people who are thinking about moving aboard who've asked us questions and, 
and then they've blamed us when they moved aboard and, they, and, and they're like, no, you inspired us. And it's like, great. Oh God, I hope it goes well for you. Um, you know, and, and uh, yeah, we've had a lot of um, just really positive interactions. And in this year we've had people like actually telling us that, you know, it was just, it gave them something to do over lockdown, like just, just to make it through this crazy situation. And that was amazing. You know? yeah, yeah, and people have been stuck indoors. Because yeah. we had this backlog of, I think, about 30 videos where I'd got so behind because last summer we just moved when we could. So <laughs> I had all this footage. And then so the last lockdown, I had a lot to catch up on, which meant I every week I could put out a couple of videos. And, yeah, so while people were stuck at home, I had quite, quite a few comments that that while, while they couldn't go out, they really enjoyed seeing that there was life still out there. Yeah. Even though, yeah, I can even though for us it was like we're sitting there in lockdown with everybody else, um, you know. Looking, looking <laughs> well, to... I'm interested to know how you two cope with lockdown because I'm sure that must be a nightmare for two uh, travellers such as yourselves. Yeah, I think, I mean, it was hard for everyone, but yeah, we, we weren't used to sitting still for more than five days, let alone three months. But I think we just got lucky. So where were you? The first lockdown we were in Retford on the Chesterfield Canal, that was lovely and we there was hardly any boats there so there was like a nice little community of, of people that were stuck and we've managed to be three miles from the water tap there so every two weeks we had this little three mile cruise which i think saved us it did yeah it saved your sanity being able to i mean the hard part once we took care of the basic needs by being close to food and and at least the ability to get rid of wastes you know the the things that people don't think about when they're locking down a country because they're not thinking about boats <laughs> um and um and once you kind of get those basic needs covered um it's not it was not pleasant but it wasn't i mean it could have been a lot worse yeah. basically like you know um yeah we, this last lockdown we were in beeston which was perfect place to get stuck yeah yeah there was food available relatively easily there was places to take george during the time of day when he could go out and exercise and um and it was quite easy to stay i mean the, the one really nice thing is it was quite easy like we never really worried too much about covid for ourselves because there's nothing more socially distanced than living on an airboat right <laughs> the, um the uh you know by default you're you're pretty much like not having to worry about that too much in terms of contact uh we were both very lucky to not have family involvement or anything at least no nobody in like our immediate families was was affected um so it's really just been i think it just makes you more grateful when you can actually move again yeah mm. yeah and, and it's, you know, there are things like, um, well, I mentioned earlier the lack of a washing machine. Um, you know, there's only so much you can do with like a, a, a half bathtub and some washing powder and trying to, you know, squeeze everything. Out. <laughs> like, um, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. it was... I was like, how much how much water can I get out of this and how do we how do we dry it? And you know, it was yeah. it was this this is an interesting experience not having laundry facilities. Um yeah, it's uh it, I mean it was definitely a uh I can't say that I would recommend lockdown on a boat, but 
it's not as bad as it could have been. On the subject of laundry, I saw that you moored at Mercy Marina this winter in order to access their laundry facilities. How did you find their marina experience? Actually making the decision to go in for one night, we were, we were like, we can't do it. We've never been in a marina in four years. We, we can't do it, can we? And then we kind of got over that. But It was funny going in there because there was, like for me, as I'm driving around the corners, you know, Joe had walked George over because he really doesn't like being on the boat when we're doing sort of slow speed maneuvering. And, um, you know, I'm turning over there and there's this part in my mind going, I'm, I'm, I'm selling out, I'm selling out, I'm selling out. <laughs> <laughs> but, then, but then we, you know, pulled back in, moored up and attached the electrical connector. And for the first time, you know, um, really that we've actually used that thing outside of when we were um, uh, in a dry dock. And, yeah. um, and they're like, you know, just swipe this card. And it's like, oh, okay. Hey, power. Huh. <laughs> See the appeal. <laughs> was, um, yeah. But then the next morning I was like, let's get out of here. Yeah. So, <laughs> there's, there's nothing wrong with marina life. And I can see why it, why it appeals to lots of people. But yeah, not for us. Not for us at all. <laughs> Having seen so much of the inland waterways, do you have any particular favourite parts? There's kind of this running joke that I, every few weeks I have a new favourite canal because... <laughs> <laughs> wherever we go it's I'm like oh this is my new favorite canal <laughs> um, um and a lot of it has to do with the kind of the experiences we have there as well the Chesterfield was lovely because it was so quiet mm. the Klangotham was just beautiful like we'd heard so much about it we'd heard it was busy and it was but at the same time it didn't disappoint um, yeah not at all London was amazing for just the fact that it was the capital and we were there on our home. Mm-hmm. So you went all the way along the Regent's Canal and the Lee, Lee yeah. and Stoughton navigations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, went, we went one way on the Regent's and then back on the Thames. Yeah. Any difficulties finding a mooring? No, we, I mean, we doubled up a few times with mm. boats, uh, but that, I mean, that's a... One of the things I found really appealing about London was the the other boaters were just, you know, oh yeah, please do, right? Like it was just completely yes, friendly and welcoming. Uh, you know, I mean, there was a little bit of trouble climbing across the boats, especially with the dog, but but the actual uh, process of London wasn't a problem at all. Um, uh, you know, I mean, like for me, highlights were, well, okay, definitely going under Tower Bridge. <laughs> Was something we left Limehouse, uh, turned right and went straight under Tower Bridge, and yeah. and uh, of course I was piloting the boat, and um, Joe and and Lorna are out on the front screaming, and Ooh, well, not man. screaming, but there's you, certainly certain, certainly a certain amount of of oh my about big waves and everything, and um, and you know uh, David from Cruising the Cut was there on the back with me, and he's taping and. And I'm the only one actually, you know, controlling the boat. So I'm the only one that actually knows what's going on with the rudder and where the where where the uh, waves are taking us. And um, you know, the first couple of minutes was, oh, good God, I bit off more than I could chew. <laughs> but uh, but then but then we got lined up and and went straight under the middle of Tower Bridge, and I was just like, oh my gosh, yeah, it's amazing, this, isn't it? this is just 
stunning. Yeah, it was that was an amazing way to see the city. And all these people looking down from the bridge just going like, what is this madman doing? And um yeah, that was that was stunning. I really I really loved the other end of the Thames as well, mm-hmm. all the way up at Lechlade. Like Dupa Thames. Yeah. I would say if anybody Yeah, do, do the whole of the Thames. The Thames is amazing. Um but yeah, I mean I I I've also liked all the cities and and um I don't kind of have a new favorite every time, but but uh but I've I've got kind of my my urban favorites and my adventure favorites and yeah. Are there any waterways that have been less inspiring? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to badmouth this place, but we've <laughs> we had a bad experience. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't want to put other people going off there. Okay. Yeah, everybody but us should go back to Walsall. <laughs> yeah, um, okay. <laughs> it's, it's a silver propeller location. It's a silver propeller location. Yeah. Please, yeah. everybody, go to Walsall. Um, and there are plentiful moorings at the art gallery. Exactly. There are. But what was it about Walsall then? Was it the rubbish in the water? No, no it's just kids. It, being... Yeah, we we happened to be there at. Um, it was half term. It was half term, and there was. Uh, a group of kids who just thought it was awfully funny to hit the boat with rocks. And, um, it wasn't just once they kept coming back. Yeah. So it was just, it was miserable. We ended up having to have the police out several times and, and it was, Mm. that was really the bad experience. The, the, the water. I hate saying these things though, because like we, you know, so many times we've heard from people, don't go here, don't go there. And we'll go there and I'll be like, no, this is fine. Yeah. And, and honestly, like Walsall, Mm. Walsall at any other moment in in time, like if I'd been there at a time when it wasn't half term and there just wasn't this one group of kids, um, the, I went through the museum there. It was, it was lovely. Like, you know, multiple floors, quite good art actually. Um, you know, the, the, the basin's met, really quite well done. And we met so many lovely people that were like, Oh, it's so nice to see a boat here and like really friendly people. So yeah. Yeah. And, um, and the canal really does need the love because the the amount of of age old trash in the water stuff that just hasn't been dredged out and pulled out and you can see that it's been there for years um, is really off putting. It's not the biggest problem. Like you can pass over it. It's deep enough water. It's quite clear water. Um, so we didn't snag on anything. It was just kind of like, wow, this is really a shame that it hasn't gotten the attention that it needs. And the only thing that's going to bring that attention is more people going there. So that's why we really don't want to stop anybody (laughs) from from visiting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, uh, uh, I mean, other ones, there hasn't really been anything underwhelming. Um, Mm. you know, the, the, uh, even the slough arm, which is, (laughs) is, um, is at least at the time we visited, I believe that they are doing some work on the basin at the end of the slough arm. Yes, I think there's a plan to make it more of a destination. Yeah, because yeah. we got there and we were like, oh, this is it. There's, there's literally nothing. <laughs> I walked the slough arm a few years ago and after five miles, I got to the end and it was just a sort of a builder's yard there and a few bags yeah. of houses. Yeah. Yeah, there, there it's was quite a pleasant cruise to get there, but yeah. But then that last moment is just like, oh, really? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I may as well turn around and go back. Um, yeah, uh, it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was definitely a place where I'm. I'm glad to hear they've got some work going on for that. 
Um, same with Runcorn, although I really like Runcorn, but yeah. that, that little base in there could use some, some, uh, some attention. Um, cause it is definitely a little, uh, less traveled route. Um, yeah, I mean, there hasn't been anywhere else though. I've, I've found everywhere interesting. So pretty soon you will have cruised the entire connected inland waterway network. What do you plan to do afterwards? We haven't decided. Um, we've been so busy cruising that we've really neglected perseverance. So <laughs> she needs a bit of love. Right. So if we are going to stay living aboard, um, you know, wherever that is, um, we'll probably do some work on the inside and we'll definitely do some work on the outside. So that would be a priority. Yeah. When, we, when we've got the system finished, she needs... <coughs> um, well, she needs some care. Um, you know, we've, we've prioritized getting from point A to point B. So, um, you know, definitely some, some paint and, uh, a bit of rust spotting and, um, you know, in terms of the interior, like the, the kitchen needs some work and things like that. So there's going to be a, um, an initial quest to find a good place to put her probably on a hard standing for a little while. Yeah. Well, we can do a month or two of, of renovations and work on her. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting because it'll, it'll be the first time where we're we're not going. We have to go this route so we can get there because we haven't been there before. It'll yeah, be, it'll be free choice. It'll be where do we want to go, and we just don't. Know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is an open yeah. question. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of leaning north, but I'm not entirely committed to that. Um, there's a part of me that still keeps going. There's that bit at the end of the basic stuff we never made it to. <laughs> and there's the Severn. So we could think about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we've got this, uh, like, like if plans go ahead with the schooling idea, then we've got this sort of one year, uh, well, a little bit less than a year, but, but quite a few months gap of, um, of being able to kind of make it up as we go. So, Yeah. Yeah. Well, good luck wherever your travels take you. Um, it's been fascinating talking to you both. So thank you so much for being on our podcast. Hey, thank it's you. Been great. Thanks a lot for letting us in. It's been great. Five years, the ABC Leisure Group has been at the forefront of the waterways leisure industry. With 15 strategically placed marinas around the UK, it has hundreds of moorings with modern facilities and a range of benefits. ABC also runs a successful and competitive boat brokerage business. Visit abcboatsales.com, as well as over 200 luxury hire boats and day boats. Visit abcboathire.com. Furthermore, it offers a range of land-based holiday accommodation, including waterside holiday cottages and caravan parks. Visit abcholidaycottages.com.